and welcome to Indigenous Innovators. I'm Jen Polak from the Alexis Nakota Sioux Nation on Treaty 6 territory, and I am recording this on the traditional territory of the Lekwungen Songhees peoples of the Coast Salish Nation. We acknowledge traditional territories not only to ground our people and stories in the traditional lands where they come from, but to recognize the sovereignty of each individual nation across Turtle Island. Our guest today is Mark Rutledge, CGD, and National President of the Graphic Designers of Canada and Anamiki's lead designer. As a passionate graphic designer, he embraces his creative instincts and intuition. He has a burning desire to cultivate flawless outcomes in branding, photography, and web design. Welcome, Mark, and thank you so much for being here. Well, it's great to be here. Thank you uh, um, for allowing me to be on uh, this podcast. It's, uh, it's a great opportunity, and, and I want to thank you. It's an honor to have you. That's great. Um, so my name is Mark. I'm Anishinaabe, and, and I'm a member of the Little Grand Rapids First Nation uh, in Manitoba. And I live and work on the Kualandan First Nation and t- on Quachon Council territories here in lovely Whitehorse, Yukon. First of all, uh, I know that when I first met you and uh, I learned that you were a graphic designer, um, I was a bit confused uh, when I saw CGD behind your name. And uh, I didn't really understand what it meant. I knew what graphic design was, but I didn't really understand the process of what it means to have that after your name. So I was wondering if you could clarify that for us. Okay, well, um, the the Graphic Designers of Canada um, really is uh, a national organization. Um, It's Canada's National Association for Design Professionals. So we support and advance the design profession through advocacy, education, community building, and CGD certification. So what is CGD CGD certification? Um, Well, let's see. It's Canada's only national association for professional certification. Um, So really it is a certification mark um, for designers in Canada. Um, So really what it does, it it is... um, you go through um, a certification process, which includes a portfolio review by three uh, other CGD members, um, certified graphic designers within the GDC. Now, in order to even be uh, able to apply, you have to have a minimum of seven years of combined professional experience and or education. So um, you could say I've been to a four-year uh a design program, and I've got three years of working experience. So that's the bare minimum. And then you need to uh, complete the certification application form, uh, send in your curriculum vitae, uh, CV, and or proof of experience, and a portfolio of seven case studies of your design work um, as well. So once you have all of that cobbled together and you have uh, – uh, you, know, you have all of that uh, information ready, then it gets sent out uh, to be reviewed by peers, uh, of your peers um, within the GDC. And then, um, you know, if the designers uh, approve you, then you become a certified graphic designer, which allows you uh, to use that uh, name or signature behind your name. Uh, but it's also uh, in recognition of... Uh, the level of expertise that you now have and it shows to uh, employers and business professionals that yeah he um, he or she has met certain criteria um, of profession and and code of conduct and and is uh, qualified to use that mark wow that really uh, that that is actually it's a ton of work that's almost like being a doctor (laughs) like doctor well yeah I mean <laughs> Wouldn't that be cool? That'd be awesome. <laughs> doctor of design. Design doctor. I will doctor your designs. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, so, obviously, that's a huge time investment. That's a huge professional investment. Um, why did you decide that that was something that you wanted to do? Why did you decide this is this is my passion? This is where I'm going to spend at least seven years of my life. Uh, I- you mean the, the graphic design part or going after the certification? Uh, well, the whole thing, um, like the whole journey, like from the beginning. The whole journey. Yeah. 
Oh wow! So I mean, we're going to go back. A, yeah, we're going to go back a few years. I'm not a young pup anymore, so we're going to talk about thirty some odd years ago. Um, even when I was in high school, you know, I was fairly creative in that. Loved to draw. I love technology. I love computers, and uh, I was like in grade twelve, thinking, "What should I do?" You know, as a career. And so, you know, I was talking to a, a guidance counselor. You remember those guidance counselors? <laughs> I do. Mine said I should uh, not be a teacher. She didn't even tell me what I should yeah. do. She was like, just don't teach. Don't be around children. <laughs> Hilarious. Because, you know, my guidance counselor said, uh, you don't want to be an artist. <laughs> and you should go into computers. I'm like, oh, okay. And, and and that was sort of a letdown for me because I was here thinking that, you know, I wanted to go into the arts and 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 contribute in that way, you know, because I had a passion for it. And then I have this guidance counselor saying that, uh, no, you shouldn't. Uh, it's not a good idea. You're not going to make any money. And I'm like, okay. So taking that advice, I actually applied to uh, enter a computer science program at Seneca College in Toronto and spent a year there and decided that, man, this is not for me. I love computers, but this is way over the top. It's working with code and I just didn't have the, I guess, the patience to uh, code thousands of lines of programming code and to find out that it doesn't work because there's a period or a space in your line of code. Um, so I said to my dad, um, and this was a tough decision for me because, you know, I felt that I was going to let down my parents because I was changing uh, programs in college. Mm. And so... I must, um, I, you know, I mustered up the courage to tell my dad that, you know, it's not my passion and um, I'd like to uh, uh, enter the design program at Seneca College. And really, because it was in the same college, I just transferred my credits from what I've earned already and entered the design program. And that's where I just was, um, I was in my own element and I loved it. And it was long hours, you know, working on projects and, and uh, it was just, fantastic um i love that program and i and it merged my two passions computer technology and 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 design and i'm just like this is the best thing ever and so went through a three-year program um and uh and decided you know um i really wanted to get out into the work work uh, uh work environment and the field and start uh my career even though you were given a, you know, we were given a, an option to do another year and earn a, a bachelor of design. And looking back, I thought, well, maybe I should have done that. But you know, I wouldn't be here if I had sort of changed that course way back then. So, um, you know, I said, uh, no, I'm going to start working. And my first job was with um, Aboriginal Voices, which was the first Indigenous magazine in North America. And so I was working with Gary Farmer. Uh, you know, he's from he's Cayuga from a Six Nations uh, Reserve in Ontario, and an actor and a singer. And, and it was a fantastic first gig. You know, I was the art director of the magazine. You know, yeah, that. And I got, to, you know, I got to meet all these famous Indians. Uh, <laughs> um, you name them, I met them. You know, uh, it was just an incredible experience. And there I was. Um, just fresh out of college and this is my first gig. I'm like, wow, this is such a, a blessing, honestly. Crazy. Who was, uh, who was your, did you, did you have anyone that you met where you just kind of lost it a little bit and you went like straight into like, just I'm your number one fan kind of mode. Oh my gosh. Um, uh, do you, do you guys, do you know, uh, Jennifer Podemski? Jennifer Podemski. It rings yeah. a bell. Who is she? She's done, yeah. She's done a lot of great uh, f uh, TV work uh, and, and and film work as well. But she was uh, she was young, so she was just getting started. So I I, I kind of had a secret crush on this girl, <laughs> and I was just like, oh my goodness! So I was just like, wow, Jennifer, this is amazing because she did these really great movies. Uh, I think Dance Me Outside was one of them, um, which was a really cool movie. It was innovative. Um, it was a film really solely created by Indigenous people. And this was sort of at a time when um, this was just beginning, mm -hmm. where indigenous uh, uh, filmmakers and actors really began to uh, find their voice within that medium. You know, while it was before, it was always 
non-Indigenous people telling our stories. But this was Indigenous people telling our stories for our people. And so she was one of the um, one of these individuals sort of uh, breaking trail for many other filmmakers, you know. Totally. And how did you feel yourself as a, you know, as a, as an artist in this sort of atmosphere where you're meeting other really influential Indigenous artists? How did it feel to kind of be in that atmosphere and kind of charging forward into, um, you know, a lot of things that uh, today we almost, uh, you know, take for granted? Like, how, like how did it feel to kind of be on the cusp of that? And, you know, um, you know, when I graduated from design school, I was the only... Uh, one of a handful of indigenous designers within North America at the time. Um, so I, I was, you know, I, I, working with such amazing people uh, was inspirational and it just kept me going. You know, I wanted to be at that level. I wanted to um, work with the, only the best people, you know, and uh, it was difficult in terms of, you know, finding that, finding that job, but then meeting all of these other ins- inspirational people um, really just continued that drive for me, you know, to be the best uh, creative director, designer um, that I could be. Because I knew that this was, you know, the first crack at the can for us as Indigenous people to start to really take control of what we, what we do and how we communicate, you know, to tell our stories. I think that was... You know, at the time, I didn't really think about it about it that in that way. Um, you know, back then I was just so um, starstruck, I guess, at working with all these amazing musicians and actors and and other creative types. Yeah, that's it's funny when you think look back on something like that because at the time, I imagine you were just like, "Wow, what a what a great experience!" and just savoring every moment, but. You know, looking back at something like that, it's uh, it, it's almost scary. The almost responsibility, I suppose. Yeah, you know, and, and, and you know, being called an art director right out of out of college is is insane because you have to work your way up to that level. Mm-hmm. You know, junior designer, senior uh, intermediate, senior designer, then art director. But uh, Gary Farmer, the publisher, really put a lot of faith in me. Um, which I want to thank him because he really launched my career into this design world um, to take a risk on a young uh, design student um, is risky, you know, but he did that and saw something in me that uh, I guess he could mentor, you know? So really right out of the gate, he was a mentor um, and uh, really believed in uh, young indigenous uh, people. And looking back, is there anything that you would do differently? Mm, absolutely not. Um, you know, because uh, while I was in design school, I actually met my, my wife. <laughs> we both attended the same program, you know. In which program? Uh, the design program at Seneca College. We, uh, we both were in the same classes together. Oh, that's awesome. So I, I, so I wouldn't change a thing. Absolutely not. <laughs> I mean, sure, there's trials and tribulations that happen throughout your career, but... Um, you get through those and you, and you keep moving forward. Of course. Yeah. 100%. Um, so with, uh, with your own journey, um, like starting out as an indigenous youth going into design and deciding to, you know, take the graphic design route, um, like your story is exceptional, especially being able to come right out of college and, like you said, go like right into that leadership role. Um, so for if anyone who's inspired by your story, which to be honest, to be a little crazy, if you weren't at least a little bit inspired, um, what would you, what advice would you give? What would you say as far as, you know, someone who's either looking at going into design or just graduating from uh, some design program? Um, you know, what would you, what, like if you could talk to yourself, again, back in that position, um, what would you say? What advice would you give? Well, if I was back in high school and I was that guidance counselor kind of deal, mm-hmm. I would be, you know, um, if your passion is in the arts, you go all in. Um, don't uh, don't hesitate. Um, 
you know, I want to, I, I posted this quote on Facebook the other day and I thought it was really inspirational and I, and I had to share it with everybody. So it says, uh, have the courage to follow your heart and intuition. They somehow already know what you truly want to become. And so you really need to follow that heart and, and what that inner voice is saying. Because everyone has that little inner voice, eh? That says, yeah, you should do this. It's awesome. Well, believe in that person because that's you. And uh, don't let anyone else dissuade you from uh, going after uh, uh, any prospects that you really feel strongly about. Because that's, 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 that's your inner voice telling you to do the right thing. And it usually never steers you in the wrong direction, you know? I wish you were my guidance counselor. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, it's, um, you know, I, at my stage in my career, I really, you know, it's my role to give back to the younger generations. You know, I've been at this for some 30 some years now, and it's really my role um, is to inform and, and hopefully motivate the young the young pups that are coming up or thinking about coming through the, the design programs. You know, if you're in high school, uh, get your portfolio ready. Um, a lot of the design schools in Canada really require a portfolio. And so when we talk about portfolio, well, then what does that mean? What does that entail? You know, um, one to two, you know, observational figure drawings and or landscape or stills like really we're talking putting pencil to paper it's a lot it's old school but um it's something that really gives our reviewers that uh inside uh inside to to uh to how you think and how you creatively uh use uh use your mind you know and what inspires you um you know, they also talk about including a variety of, of mediums. So not just pen and paper, but if you're painting or if you're a sculptor, man, throw all of that in there. Use all of your creative tools and assets that you can uh, 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 can create because that all really shows you or the evaluators that you're truly a creative person and you have the passion. And, of course, you got to do a bit of writing here, Uh uh, kids, because you're also going to have to have your curriculum, Vitae. Um, uh, they call it a, um, oh, geez, a, a, I think it's a, what do you call it? It's sort of a personal statement. Uh, what inspires you to become a designer or an artist? So all of these things have to be, you know, thought of ahead of time. And then you pick and choose where you want to go to school, you know. Um, the GDC website has a list of all of the universities and colleges um, in Canada that uh, offer design programs. And they're from one-year programs to two, three, four-year programs. Um, you can even get a master, master's of, of design as well now. So um, you got to do a bit of work, a bit of footwork, and then you uh, apply to these colleges, you know, and you'll get in and you uh, continue to work and, and uh, learn more about the craft and uh, you're well on your way at that point. And what would you recommend for someone who, uh, you know, knows they're an artist, knows they want to create art um, or even someone who maybe necessarily isn't too familiar with that, but how, uh, how would you sort of navigate whether or not graphic design is, you know, a, uh, way for uh, that particular person to go. Right. So, I mean, um, really, it, I mean, if you have an internet connection, you can really um, do a lot of research. Um, but really, um, you got to figure out what, what what is graphic design. Well, graphic design um, is really the art of communication. You're taking both the visual aspects, whether it's illustration and photography, um, and written, the written form as well. And you're combining them to come up with a way to effectively communicate a message, whether that's in marketing or advertising or in publication design. Um, really, that's what uh, graphic design is. And so if that's, you know, you could still be a designer, but you may not, you know, um, if your passion is with an illustration, 
Well, you can be an illustrator and work with graphic designers still. Um, a lot of the uh, programs out there in terms of university and colleges offer a foundation uh, year in which you really try to figure out where your passion is, you know, whether that's design, illustration, fine arts. Um, then after year one, then the then you really begin to f- figure out, well, where do I want to go? Do I want to be an illustrator? Well, then you're going to go that route. Or if you want to be in, uh, if you want to continue with graphic design, then you're going to go that route. So a lot of the universities, colleges have a foundation year where, where it lets their students figure out uh, and try to narrow down uh, the career path that they want to go down. And uh, are you, like, do you have uh, specific resources um, and information available specifically for Indigenous students? Um, like, is there different programming or... Um, I know that there are some uh, schools that will, say, um, teach illustration in a particular style, et cetera, et cetera. Um. Yeah, I think now, I mean, when I first started, um, there really wasn't a distinction between Indigenous and non-Indigenous. But what I see now is a growing trend to um, recognize and acknowledge uh, Indigenous cultures. Um, So... That's something relatively new, I believe, in the last couple of years, um, where you then are, uh, where universities and colleges are actually providing culturally specific uh, design programs. You know, so if you look at um, Emily Carr, for example, in BC, um, there are a lot of Indigenous students going to there because they offer um, a curriculum that really focuses on. Uh, indigenous cultures. So I think um, uh, it is something that is relatively new, but is growing in popularity. So if you're an Indigenous student, you you know, you want to take a look at what are the programs that each of these universities or colleges provide. Um, you know, Emily Carr is one of them. Um, there's ACAD in Alberta. Um, they also are starting to um, I- include more Indigenous curriculum. And when I say Indigenous curriculum, it, it, it is... Um, it's, most of these courses are taught by Indigenous uh, uh, faculty. Um, you look at the Ontario College of Art and Design, or sorry, it's <laughs> it's actually a university now. So it's um, uh, they actually um, hired uh, a bunch of Indigenous professors or faculty to uh, teach these courses. So there is a like I said before, there's a growing movement of of these universities hiring Indigenous faculty staff. And that's really exciting. And it's really great that, uh, you know, uh, obviously hiring Indigenous faculty in particular, like in these programs in design, bringing that Indigenous perspective to the forefront. Um, But are there any risks associated with that, that you can, uh, like, uh, as far as, um, you know, uh, incorporating especially like uh, different Indigenous uh, designs into like, you know, these sort of mainstream programs or uh, anything along those lines? Oh, you, uh, um, yeah, I think there are some um, uh, some dangers, um, especially when we talk about um, things like cultural appropriation. Now, cultural appropriation is something that is, um, you know, seen in in a lot of places, uh, advertising, um, you know, is is uh, known for cultural appropriation. Uh, even in the movies, you know, um, uh, even f- even recently, you know, we talk about the Dior campaign with uh, Johnny Depp and how they were uh, trying to promote their new line of perfume, and uh, they really just missed uh, a huge step there. Um, they said that they were consulting with Indigenous people, but um, what they produced ended up really offending uh, the entire community. And so, um, you know, we have to be aware of of how we uh, communicate Indigenous culture and knowledge. Um, and I think um, through through the hiring practices of these universities, um, uh, it's in, it's incumbent upon these. Uh, professors and and uh, teachers to really make their students aware of the uh, possible, I don't want to say dangers, but missteps, you know. Um, 
when you talk about cultural appropriation, it can even happen within nation to nation. You know, I'm Ojibwe. And if a client comes to me and says, well, I want, I really like the West Coast style of illustration. I love the form work. And can you do that? And now I immediately say no, but um, because it's not for where I'm from, I, it, it would be, it would be unethical for me to falsely represent who I am as a, as a person, as an indigenous man, as an artist um, to uh, draw on that particular style. Um, number one, because I don't know enough about that culture. And number two, um, it takes years to establish uh, those, uh, that, that type of illustration, the formwork, the lines. Each and every line has a different meaning. And so these artists that draw in that particular style have years and years of training and mentorship behind them and education. So to simply copy something because it looks great or cool um, is not enough for me to draw on that particular style. Um, it'll offend the other nation because here I am an Ojibwe from the other side of Canada trying to interpret a different style, you know? Um, so in most cases, in, in all cases, I'll say, no, I, I can't do that. And here's the reason why. And then, however, what I can do is I can approach an indigenous a designer from the West Coast, if it's Clinkett, uh, Haida, you know, um, I would rather much hire and subcontract another illustrator to help me work in collaboration with them so that we have something that's authentic and has deeper meaning and is true to the art form. So, um, you know, a cultural appropriation happens uh, between nation and nation, Indigenous nations as well as Indigenous and non-Indigenous. And I think that's something that um, is really important in, in today's, uh, in, in, the, in the times that we ha find ourselves right now. You know, because there's always, um, there's cultural appropriation happening everywhere. And so I think um, as educators and as students, we both need to be very uh, aware of those issues, uh, current issues. I agree. And you bring up a really uh, great point with the uh, Dior campaign, um, and especially on the concept of um, appropriating not only um, between Indigenous and non-Indigenous peoples, um, but also um, across uh, nation to nation. Um, like, it's definitely something that uh, we need to navigate carefully. Um, so I was wondering, what are some strategies that maybe you could share with us um, on how to sort of navigate this uh, this landscape in a way that you know shows the appropriate respect to these and to these nations and to these artworks, um, but in a way like you know in a way that uh, still allows you to sort of uh, you know celebrate um, indigenous culture while not appropriating it. Because I feel like that's something that people get confused on a lot, the difference between celebration and appropriation. Well, you know, I mean, it's, it, it's, a, it's a challenging aspect of communication design. Um, really what it boils down to is uh, doing the research, um, educating yourself, but also your client that you work with. Um, and if you have questions, you know, seek guidance from, from your elders or from uh, people within those communities that you uh, want to work with. Um, don't, um, don't be fearful uh, of, of, of asking for permission or additional knowledge. You know, I think that's the biggest uh, challenge is that fear of, you know, what if they say no or, or, you know, or what if they, uh, don't like the question I'm asking. Well, I'd say nine times out of 10, the person, the person that is, uh, you're approaching, um, will really appreciate that you've, you've come to them for advice because that shows respect for the individual, but also respects the, the cultural differences. And I think, um, uh, knowledge is power and the more knowledge and the more questions we ask, we gain further knowledge. And that just makes us better designers, better communicators, and in the end, that product that you're creating um, will be uh, will be better uh, for for all of the research that has happened, you know, prior to uh, prior to the design and layout. Let's say it's a magazine or a book or something or an ad. You know, um, 
do the research ahead of time. I mean, you know, when, when I'm doing sort of a design or a branding project, I spend days doing research ahead of time and asking lots of questions. You know, don't be fearful of asking questions and uh, gaining that knowledge. That's really great advice, especially um, on the on the research front. Um, so, obviously, uh, contacting people that might have that have more um, information and more knowledge around uh, any sort of form or style that you want to use. Um, but is there anything uh, like uh, like design charters or anything along those lines that um, people can use to, you know, kind of get a little bit more information about um, this kind of, uh, you know, this this kind of question? Um, you know, that's a that's a great question. Um, so, you know, are there are there documents out there that would maybe help navigate a person? Um, you know, in, in terms of culture and and buying design services. I mean, um, there are charters out there. Um, for example, the um, there's an Australian Indigenous Design Charter, and that really aims to uh, help to facilitate accurate and respectful representation of Ab- Australian Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander culture and design and associated media. So. These are sort of guiding documents that um, you can download for free um, from from their website, and it really gives you a bunch of guidelines um, as to what what to do and what not to do. And so Australia is sort of leading that charge, and I know um, uh, there's another international group, ICOD, which is um, another uh, design uh Council, if you will, it's the International Council of Design, and so they've sort of recognized the value of indigenous knowledge and uh, and culture, and how do they um, uh, access and utilize indigenous knowledge? So they have also a document and have really um, taken. Uh, advice and uh, knowledge from the uh, Australian uh, Indigenous design uh, community as, as a starting point. And so um, me being the national president, and I'm also Indigenous, I've actually um, struck a committee within the Graphic Designers of Canada to establish uh, Canada's Indigenous Design Charter. Um, and it'll help educate people on indigenous cultures and how to use that knowledge and how to best use it within uh, the design or creative practices within Canada and and how important it is to address those concerns. So um, we're working, I'm working with a, a, a great group of people, graphic designers and educators, and uh, we're hoping to have the first draft uh, ready by late fall. So, um, you know, so there are documents out there that can guide uh, uh, Indigenous students, Indigenous designers, and those that are non-Indigenous, most importantly, and how to uh, sort of um, guide them in a way that is respectful. That's really exciting. Can you give us uh, maybe a sneak peek on some of the concepts that you're uh, that you're developing in this charter? Sneak peek, eh? Okay. Well, you know, I mean, um, yeah, let's see here. One second. Let me just, I'm just actually opening up a document right now. So, first access. Yeah, first access. (laughs) You got it here first, folks. Let's see here. Yeah, that's right. Um, So, really, um, let me see here. Where do I start? Oh, my goodness. Hold on a second here, people. Um, maybe uh, to start, uh, we can kind of take a look at um, what can be considered um, Indigenous design in Canada. Um, like, how, where, where does that start? Where does that end? How does that work? 
how do you find? Yeah, I guess how do you define indigenous art? I mean, I guess it's. I mean, the definition would be um, really anything created by an indigenous group within Canada. So is that First Nations, Métis, and Inuit uh, uh, people, as defined by the Canadian government, I guess. I hate to say that, but I mean, um, but that's a whole other discussion mm. unto itself. Um, but in terms of design and um, who, what defines Indigenous art, I think you look to the uh, artists within those communities um, that really uh, define what that is. Sorry. Um, so when you look at in Canada in particular, I mean, you look at uh, painters, illustrators, fine artists, um, those are the ones that really led the charge in terms of uh, Indigenous art and creativity. And then came along as technology evolved. Then you've got uh, uh, graphic designers like myself that use technology and art uh, to communicate uh, messages. And uh, what is the benefit of incorporating this Indigenous art into, say, your brand or your voice or, um, uh, like, even just uh, hiring an Indigenous graphic designer such as yourself to kind of bring that perspective to, um, you know, your project or your company or whatever? Uh, right. So, I mean, in terms of hiring, and really, you're, you're looking for someone's experience. Um, you're hiring them based on their experience within their own culture. And um, so for me, it's, uh, I'm Ojibwe, so someone would come to me and ask me questions about, I really love the woodland style of art, you know, Norvell Morisot and, 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 and those really fantastic artists. And so um, I can speak to that and I can educate people based on the experience that I've had within my own culture. Um, so that's really where you look to, um, you know, so if you're looking for someone that is uh, interested in that West Coast style art, well, you're going to go to, you know, um, a West Coast style artist. Um, but even then, you know, you have to be very particular because there's many nations within BC that live along the coast and they all have their own very distinct art form. I mean, from the surface, it all kind of looks the same, but you'll, you know, as, as a designer that's been around a while, you really pick up on the nuances and how different each style of illustration is. You know, the form lines are different from the Clinket to the Haida. You know, they're all very distinct. Um, but to someone that's not familiar with buying that type of illustration, they may not notice that. Uh, but that's the that's the onus on us. That's why they come to us, uh, me in particular, because they want to uh, know that particular insight, but also to help them avoid any missteps. You know, so think of us as guiding them again. You know, guiding them through uh, the waters that might be dangerous. You know, uh, or rocks that they might run into. You know, think of it as. When they, when, you know, when, when the settlers first arrived, you know, they were looking for help. And so we helped them. So, but this is sort of in a modern context where we're, you know, um, steering them through uh, troubled waters that might, that might happen, you know, um, where we're guides to information and knowledge and how to properly use that knowledge and to let them know that, you know, this is right and this is the wrong way to do things. So don't ever do that again. Uh, or if they've done it before, don't do it again. Um, but yeah, so we're sort of that that guide um, uh, to uh, their research and, and knowledge. So. Okay, so um, that yeah, that makes total sense as far as um, you know. If you're looking for a particular style, like if you're looking for something that is um, you know, distinctively from, uh, the, like, uh, in the style of, uh, someone from Haida Gwaii, then, you know, odds are you should probably go to someone from Haida Gwaii. Um, what would you do if, say, you were approached by an organization who wanted to, um, you know, reflect, uh, the fact that they, uh, you know, um, 
work with Indigenous peoples across what we consider to be Canada, across Turtle Island. Um, in because in that case, you know, uh, going to a particular nation might not be appropriate. Right. So let's see here. How do I? I mean, this is such a diverse topic, you know, to talk to to have a discussion. I mean, we could, we could have a whole separate podcast on on this whole in on this particular subject matter. But I mean, in terms of um, what do we guide? I mean, is it indigenous led? Is it you know? We talk about topics like self determination, uh, being community specific, and uh, you know, listening. Honestly, we uh, in order for us to properly communicate, you know, we we need to listen and value um, what people are saying. Um, the sharing of indigenous knowledge is important. You know, collaboration, co-creation. And, and the procurement of that, um, you know, sharing the benefits of, of this collaboration is also important. Uh, the impact of design, uh, these are all things that are important to, uh, I guess, producing something that is, uh, I guess, culturally safe. I don't know if that's a, a good term to disca- describe it. Um, yeah, that works. You know, um, yeah, so um, so uh, the design charter really talks about the ten steps uh, in terms of best practice protocols. So, you know, when working on projects involving the representation of indigenous culture, design practitioners, and buyers of design, those that are non-indigenous and indigenous, are expected to adhere to uh, some, let's say, these ten points, for example. You know, um, so number one would be indigenous-led. Ensure that indigenous stakeholders oversee the creative development and the design process. So um, that really means that you know, um, if you if give give the indigenous people the opportunity to lead that project. Uh, number two, self-determination. Respect the rights of Indigenous peoples to determine the application of traditional knowledge and representation of their culture in design practice. Wow, that's a mouthful, and it's very impactful, you know. Um, number three, be community-specific. Ensure respect for the diversity of Indigenous culture by acknowledging and following regional cultural understandings. So, earlier we talked about being regional-specific. You know, I'm from the East uh, in Ontario, um, but my client wants to work with people from the West Coast. Well, we need to really have that regional cultural understanding. Um, I mentioned deep listening. Ensure respectful, culturally specific, personal engagement behaviors for effective communication and courteous interaction. Make sure to be inclusive and ensure that recognized custodians are actively involved in consulting. So when we talk about custodians, these are the elders and knowledge keepers. Listen to them and listen closely because that's really, it comes down to respect. Number five really um, is indigenous knowledge. Acknowledge and respect the rich cultural history of indigenous knowledge, including design stories, sustainability, and land management with the understanding that ownership of knowledge must remain with the indigenous custodians. So the indigenous peoples of that region. Number six, shared knowledge, collaboration, co-creation, and procurement. Cultivate respectful, culturally specific, personal engagement behaviors for effective communication. This involves courteous interactions to encourage the transmission of shared knowledge by developing a cultural competency framework to remain aware of Indigenous cultural realities. Um, shared benefits. Ensure that Indigenous people share the benefits from the use of their cultural knowledge, especially where it is being commercially applied. The impact of design. You know, we consider the reception and implication of all designs so that they protect the environment, are sustainable, and remain respectful of Indigenous cultures over deep time. We're talking past, present, and the future. We also have a legal and moral obligation 
you know, demonstrate respect and honor of cultural ownership and intellectual property rights, including moral rights by obtaining appropriate permissions where required. And finally, you know, chat, uh, charter implementation, you know, ask the question if there is an aspect of the project in relation to any design brief that may be improved with Indigenous knowledge. Now, use this charter that we're developing to safeguard Indigenous design integrity and to help build the cultural awareness of, of our clients and associated stakeholders. So there you go. I mean, these are just, I mean, those are just the top 10 things that we can do uh, to respect Indigenous culture and use it appropriately. Yeah, as far as, uh, yeah, d as far as strategies go, that is, that sounds like uh, as very, 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 very comprehensive. <laughs> um, but do you know what? Um, I, like, I definitely appreciate it because there's, there's a need to be comprehensive, um, especially when it comes to Indigenous design um, and forms, because, uh, you know, we have had artists since time immemorial in each of our every single separate nations. And this art, and it's, you know, tied deeply with our stories and our values and our belief systems and everything. So it's crucial that there is a document like the one that you are working on and developing right now to protect these, to protect these stories, to protect these um, beliefs and um in a way that, you know, ensures that they are shown the respect that they deserve. So, yeah, I cannot wait to read it in its entirety. And thank you so much for the sneak peek. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, um, you are right. I mean, it's it, we're at a time where, um, uh, you know, we are beginning to share our knowledge, you know, and I think it's important that we do it uh, in a good way and in the right way. Um, I've had, you know, many non-Indigenous people come to me and ask me uh, questions about culture and how do I, how do I go about using it properly? You know, this Indigenous knowledge. Um, and some people come to me and they ask, well, where can I find this knowledge? It's not written down anywhere. Well, there I, I have to explain to them, well, we're an oral uh, we we tell our stories. We're an oral-based society, um, so it's not something that we write down. It's something that's shared through generations over time. And so, um, as we progress, um, on, you know, we'll, we'll have to write down a lot of these stories. You know, and uh, how do we then properly use these stories that have been written down and that are accessible? So, a document like the charter will help again, guide, uh, guide, the, guide them in the proper use um, and to ultimately pay respect uh, to the knowledge that's being shared with them. Awesome. Um, was there anything else uh, you wanted to add, uh, Mark? Anything that, we didn't, uh, anything that we didn't touch on? Anything else that you think is really important to, um, you know, not, e not just let, like, you know, our audience or general population know, but... Uh, you know, anything uh, specifically for any uh, youth or Indigenous youth who uh, might be interested in following in your footsteps? Well, you know, I mean, we, we, we covered a lot of ground uh, uh, in, in, in the few, in the almost 50 minutes that we've been discussing things uh, with particular to Indigenous culture and knowledge, but also to the youth. So um, let me see here. Uh, you know, we went through the advice, you know, uh, the, you know, the youth out there, um, listen to your heart and your intuition and it won't lead you wrong. Uh, have that passion, continue that drive, um, and ask questions, be fearless. Um, the more questions you ask, the more knowledge you're going to gain. So, um, you know, if you want to be a designer, ask a designer, my, you know, you guys can email me anytime. I'll be uh, happy to answer any of the questions that uh, you may have. So I don't know, Jen, um, can I give out my email address yeah, here? Yeah, uh, if you're looking for Mark's email address, um, just take a look in the uh, description in the podcast. 
Perfect. Well, there you go. So, I mean, if you have any questions out there, please don't hesitate to, to send me an email and I'll be more than happy to uh, respond. So ask me anything. Um, you know, what school do you think is the best school, um, you know, uh, for Indigenous people? What is, what type of computer do you want to buy? What's needed? We talked about software, you know, um, software. These are all expenses that you're going to have to consider when you want to have a career in design, you know, it's all, most of it's computer based, you know, and so you might want to start saving those <laughs> pennies now um, because uh, it becomes expensive, but you know what? I mean, those are the tools of the trade, you know, if you're doing a craft, you're going to have to invest in those tools. So, you know, it's a computer and it's a software, you know, Adobe Creative Suite or, uh, the other free uh, software that's available that kind of does the same thing, you know. Um, you don't have to buy the best equipment straight out of the gate, you know. Uh, most of the universities and colleges will have computer labs for you to use. So you won't need to buy those uh, the equipment and the software right out of the gate. But it is something that you might want to consider as you go through those design programs. Uh, let's see here. Oh, um, if you want to know more about design and what's involved, you know, uh, there's a bunch of videos on YouTube and lynda.com are great resources for additional knowledge. Uh, you know, they have tutorials on how to use Photoshop or Illustrator or, or uh, InDesign, you know, publication design. Um, those are all great resources that you could, uh, you know, view and maybe help inform your decision on where you want to uh where you want to go with your career uh your artistic career so awesome well thank you again mark so much for joining us and uh sharing your wisdom um and yeah if uh if if anyone is uh, interested in contacting mark uh, i will put his email address in the uh, description uh, underneath the podcast. So be, for, be sure to check that out if you have any questions for him about uh, graphic design or how to get started or um, any other questions that you might have. Thanks again, Mark. That's great. Well, thank you very much for having me. Thank you for listening to Indigenous Innovators. This podcast is a part of Anamiki's Indigenous Innovators series, where we profile Indigenous leaders, activists, artists, and entrepreneurs. These profiles help us to better understand the challenges and opportunities Indigenous peoples face in Canada today. Indigenous Innovators was created by Anamiki. This episode was hosted and produced by Jen Polak. Anamiki is an Indigenous-owned digital agency. We work with leading Indigenous-focused organizations from across all industries driving positive change for Indigenous peoples throughout technology. To work with us, visit www.anamiki.com forward slash services or email us at info at anamiki.com.